The views expressed on Geeks and Beats are those of the participants alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of their employers. You had a good uh, Thanksgiving? It was fine. Is it okay to talk about Thanksgiving on, on Wednesdays now? I mean, it's, 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 when did you do Thanksgiving? Did you do it on uh, Sunday or did you do it on Monday? We did it on the Sunday because you need the Monday to recuperate. Come on, you got to be smart about this. No, that's, that's what I think. I, I was talking to a bunch of Americans who, of course, for them, Thanksgiving is bigger than Christmas. And they couldn't understand exactly why we would celebrate our Thanksgiving on the day before the actual day. And I had to explain to them that it's not as big a deal in Canada as it is in the United States and that we do need Monday to recover from Sunday. It's actually a very smart thing. The Americans make a big deal out of Thanksgiving? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, I, uh, well, anyway, I I don't get it, but uh, good on them. See, we have it earlier because we have the earlier harvest. This is uh, this is very true, <laughs> and we don't build our Thanksgiving around many, many, many football games or uh, shopping on the Friday. Yes, yeah, sportball and me couldn't care less. It's the tryptophan that'll make me logy, but the sports will knock me right out. Oh, we had some turkey, and it just really wiped me out. I mean, yesterday, I, I could have gone to bed at like uh, 7.30 and slept through the night, but there was a baseball game to watch. Had to do that. My theory is, is that people really don't actually like turkey. If you genuinely like turkey, wouldn't you be cooking it more than twice a year? Well, this is true. We had this conversation uh, at dinner, as a matter of fact. A turkey is a bit much for the average family on a regular basis. So what we do is we simply get a turkey breast and, and cook that every once in a while. But a full turkey? No. I mean, the smallest turkey that we could find for the four, four people that we're eating was 18 pounds. That's way too much. My favorite turkey we're going to talk about this week, Donald Trump. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. From the headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, now with 1.2 billion subscribers on iTunes and GeoCities, this is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth, featuring musical guest Sting. Aerosmith's Steven Tyler is flapping his extra-large lips in the direction of Donald Trump and his extra-big hair. Some of your favorite bands weren't the first with that name. We'll crack open the music history books. Got a hipster writer in your life and 400 bucks to blow? Gadget Ninja Aaron Lawrence scales down the side of GMB headquarters with a really nifty new keyboard. And how you can win the most advanced headphones in the world. Plus, the nominations for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and why tinfoil hat conspiracy theorists are big fans of Bob Marley. All that and more coming up. And now, Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. Donald, 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 you knew that this was going to be an issue when it came to this whole business about campaign songs. I mean, we've written about this. We've talked about this, how uh, you will get somebody objecting to a politician they don't like using their song as part of some kind of campaign stop or campaign rally. In this particular case, Donald Trump does not uh, has used um, 
Dream On by Aerosmith. Don't you find that a little ironic as well? Well, a bit. Uh, it's also rather interesting is that Steven Tyler tends to be a, a, a more conservative sort of dude. So you would think that you would maybe suppose, and this is not necessarily the smartest thing to do, you would suppose he is a Democrat, but apparently he he uh, he is a Republican. And Donald Trump is too Republican, or at least too right-wing for him. A Geeks and Beats senior political correspondent Amber Healy reports that The Hollywood Reporter has uh, been telling us that Trump's people have been told by Tyler's people that they can no longer use Dream On at campaign events. And this is not the first time, but the second time he's been ordered to pick another tune. Apparently, they first said, hey, cut it out back in August when he was at an event in Mobile, Alabama. I'm wondering about the legality of this. Can you stop somebody from using your song? It would have to be built into the arrangement you've got with your music publisher, right? Like, I, I, Yes. Now, the way it works is like this. Whenever you do a campaign stop, you're going to do it at a venue like an arena, a stadium, or a hotel ballroom, something like that. All these places will have blanket licenses for public performance of live and recorded works. So that means you are entitled to, you have a license that you've never seen, you have a license to play whatever music you want in that venue, and it's up to the venue to pay the performing rights organizations as part of their annual or whatever it is, their annual fees back to them. So if Donald Trump shows up in a hotel ballroom, which is going to be licensed under BMI and ASCAP and CSCAP, or CSAC, <laughs> he technically should be able to play any song he wants and be covered for royalties to have somebody say that you cannot use my song in conjunction with this i would i don't know if anybody has ever successfully sued to have a song taken away from a political candidate well, we'll know within 24 hours because the legal team for uh, Tyler over at LaPolt Law uh, says that uh, Trump's been given 24 hours to acknowledge the receipt of the letter uh, saying that Dream On being played at his events not only constitutes uh, tortious interference, but also a privacy violation, which I don't get. That sounds like a little legal gobbledygook to me, a tortious interference. Let's just look that up. Oh, here, you look that up while we move on to something else. Okay. Geeks and Beats writer Shane Alexander uh, says it's like seeing your doppelganger or finding out that someone in your own town shares the same name as you. It's weird at first, but you gotta go figure. Nice name, of course, but it's been taken already. He's talking about bands with first dibs on names. Yeah, well, Shane and I worked together on this one, and we came up with all these bands, and I added a few more of my own. Uh, bands who uh, really should have researched their choice of name a little bit better. I mean, there was a Nirvana before there was a Kurt Cobain Nirvana. Out of the UK, right? Yes. He wants to be in love, he wants to be a butterfly. creation label and they recorded in the late 1960s and uh, uh, broke up by the time Kurt's Nirvana came along but then they launched a lawsuit because they had something you know prior art they had uh, you know uh, um, maybe trademark or copyright on the name whatever the case and Kurt's Nirvana 
or their record label paid them off to the tune of $25,000 and also under the agreement that they could continue to use their name, which uh, they immediately turned around and released a new album and re- reissued some of their old stuff, which was fine. They made some some money off a of dead issue. There are some other runs that are rather interesting. I did not know that there was a wham before there was a wham. <laughs> was there really? Hey, when I, w- when I was in high school and wham was a huge thing, there was a big rumor going around that every wham song included the word wham as almost a subliminal message built into every single track have you ever heard that i've never heard that one no that's okay that's kind of like um there's some there's there's a we should do something on 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 that sort of thing for example let me give you another one along those lines is uh there was a 1975 hit by the Ohio players called Love Roller Coaster. Yeah. And there is a long-standing urban legend that the scream of the woman that is heard in that song is the scream of a woman being murdered in the recording studio. <laughs> yeah, right. It's not true. Honest to God, that was a long-running urban myth. And if you want to look it up, uh, I'll do it right now. Love roller coaster murder. Yeah, murdered woman. First thing that comes up is: uh, is there a scream of a woman in agony in the Ohio players' love roller coaster? And then we talk about the urban legend, and then we talk about: uh, did a girl really get killed in the studio? What's the answer? Uh, the answer: no. It, it never happened. <sighs> it's just a. It's, it's just one of those great little. AM radio tidbits that that popped up in the 1970s it was fantastic. The uh, Geeks and Beats, one of the bands with the first dibs on a name that got me the most, was that at the time when Johnny Marr and Morrissey were in short pants, there was a band called The Smiths. This was actually the thing that sparked the entire post, because I had never heard of those original The Smiths which was an American rock band from uh, California, and they were around uh, very late 60s. And uh, they did. They even had a top five hit. Again, I don't remember. It was a Burt Bacharach song called Baby It's You, but I had no idea. It sold a million copies in, in 1969. Uh, they, they eventually just became Smith, but originally they were The Smiths. Other ones on the list here include Bush. There was a short-lived Canadian band with that name, the Charlatans. We know about the Charlatans UK because there was an American one already. I didn't know that there was also a band called The Beat, the American Beat. Therefore, we now have the English Beat. And Oasis wasn't the first Oasis. No, there were two Oasises. Oasi? Something like that. There was an American band from uh, the San Francisco area in the early 1970s. Uh, they were actually signed to Amit Erdogan, uh, by Amit Erdogan, right to, to Atlantic. Uh, they didn't last for very long, and then they turned into a group called R.J. Fox, which released some material through the 1970s. But there was a, the other Oasis is the one that really uh, I find fascinating. Early 1980s, they were a British band, and they featured a cello player named Julian Lloyd Webber. Julian Lloyd Webber is the younger brother of Andrew Lloyd Webber. 
And another member of that band, that, that Oasis, was Mary Hopkin. You might remember her from having a solo hit with Those Were the Days, big Paul McCartney produced single in 1968. Well, thank you. You're welcome. One of my favorite things on this show is some of the most ridiculous gadgets you uncover. And I uncover? No, wait a second. You're the gadget freak. True, true. But when I don't find something, you find it. And you found an app that translates your dog's tail <laughs> wagging. I, I showed this to my wife, and I thought we. I thought it was, you know. Why didn't you show it to the dog? Oh, well, the dog wouldn't understand. It's, it's a little, it's kind of like a little scrunchy for the tail. Okay. And you slip it over the dog dog's tail and and it translates the movements of the tail i guess in terms of uh, oscillations and direction and speed and all that sort of stuff and will tell you what apparently your dog is saying because uh, dogs communicate a lot through their tail and it's just because their tail is wagging doesn't necessarily mean they're happy it's how they wag their tail which brings us to this tail wagging translator the dog star tail talk is being funded on indiegogo with 28 percent of its 100 thousand dollar goal that was achieved in just a single day and they still have about 30 days to go if you're willing to plop down 99 bucks you can actually get one of these things they're going to retail for 120 if it ever gets off the ground i think this is fascinating i would love to know what my dog is saying to me sometimes i, I, have, I have two dogs and they have both wildly different personalities, which means they probably have wildly different uh, things that they're saying with their tail. So I need one of these. Aaron Lawrence. Gadget Ninja. Able to leap from Windows 8 to Windows 10 in a single bound. Can insert a USB stick in a single try. And consumes bandwidth like your mother-in-law at an all-you-can-eat buffet. If you have a problem and you can't find anyone at Best Buy to help you, maybe you need <laughs> the Gadget Ninja. Any similarity to Marvel, DC Comics, or the A-Team is purely coincidental. Please don't sue us. I don't know, Aaron. Do you even have a dog? Do you have a cat? Do you have a fish? I've ha I've had cats. I have a dog, an older dog. I can't really picture this on her. Yeah. W would you get this <laughs> thing? Would you drop 120 bucks on a dog tail wagging translator? Uh, no. No. Um, but, you know, I'd like to try it out and report back. Please. Uh, you would, however, try the Cordy Writer Retro Keyboard. You'd, would you drop 400 bucks on this thing? I saw this on the lineup, and I'm thinking a $400 keyboard? For what? For your computer? So it's for the computer or your tablet or, you know, anything you want to basically have it work wirelessly with. Um it's gorgeous. So, I mean, if you're looking for something gift worthy for someone, some type of writer, journalist, you know, wordy, snobby person, whatever. Hey, this is perfect for me then. Hi, listen, I want one now. <laughs> I've got an Underwood typewriter <laughs> that sits next to that um, tombstone radio from RCA that my grandfather and his brothers scraped up enough money to buy the dad, their dad the down payment for. So that would be perfect, because I, I would love to use that typewriter, but I can't use that typewriter because, well, we're in the 21st century. Why would you use a typewriter? Exactly. Then this truly is for you. It truly is for you, because it looks exactly like a typewriter keyboard. It functions exactly like one. It sounds like one? Yep. I mean, it's, it's a fun gadget. It's not something you're going to want to try and crank out a whole lot of words on. When you say it sounds like a typewriter, I mean, it, it, it clacks like an old, like, Lou Grant kind of typewriter? Check this out. Ha, ha, ha. 
<laughs> All right, fine. Um, if, you know, my, my wife would probably like that because she used to hammer away news on, 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 a, on an old, I don't know what it was, probably an Underwood or a Corona. Or an Olympia. Oh, it might have been an Olympia. I, I, I like to tell the kids in the newsroom that I used to work in a newsroom where somebody got so angry at somebody else, they threw a typewriter at them. That's how old I am. <laughs> and the kids just blink at you and go, what? What? Yeah. What's a typewriter? The, you needed a, a, a fair amount of finger strength to actually be able to use these things. Yes. So I keep going through, my wife keeps going through keyboards for, for her computer here at house, uh, here at home. You know what? You've got an Apple keyboard. You know what those little thin ones are? She bangs the crap out of that thing. Oh yeah, and just just you know wears off the numbers and off the letters. It's like, sweetie, you're not you're not on the old Underwood. You can actually bring it back a bit. This would work well for her though. Okay, so this keyboard itself, it's Bluetooth powered. Is that correct? It is Bluetooth powered. Yep. So you can connect it wirelessly to any kind of tablet, to your laptop, to your desktop, whatever you want. I'm looking at your Instagram page here. It looks like this is being plugged into an iPad. So does it like have a stand so you can actually? use it in that way yeah so the back of it you know where the used to roll in the paper paper kids are gonna have to use the theater of the of the mind here as well but you <laughs> where you would stick the paper they've modified it to become this um tablet stand so you can tuck your tablet into the back of the keyboard and use it basically like you would a computer a typewriter what have you and to alan's point about how his wife used to like attack the keyboard with you need that finger strength. You kind of need it with this because I was using it to try and type out a blog and I had to relearn how to type. It's it's not even close to being like a normal keyboard or like an Apple keyboard where you can just give it a light touch. I learned how to type on a traditional Olympia typewriter in grade nine. This is my, my horror grade nine story. I goofed around in typing class for so long that when it came to the final exam, I was nowhere ready. <laughs> nowhere ready. They handed us out a 25-page document we had to duplicate. Uh -huh. And I goofed around in the final exam for so long that all I managed was the, the front page, the home page. I, re I duplicated that, took the staple out stapled my front page no. to her work, my teacher's work, <laughs> handed oh, it no, in, you... and got an 89. <laughs> <laughs> How do you complain about not getting 100%? <laughs> That's funny. Oh, Michael. Oh. I, I look at you in a different light now. But this keyboard here, d does it have all the extra keys that would normally come with uh, a modern-day computer? Like, we didn't have function keys back in 1989. <laughs> It's it's got both the retro keys and the modern keys. Wait a minute, you just laughed when I said 1989. <laughs> we all laughed. Listen, my typing class was in 1979. Oh, back when typewriters were steam powered. <laughs> That's uh, yes, we were just getting into the diesel era. And you guys were wondering who's in the market for this. Aaron, fantastic stuff. We can learn more on geeksandbeats.com. Absolutely, and you can get the keyboard for three twenty nine. It's on pre order at quirkywriter.com. Fantastic. All right. Well, I'm I'm pining for my old Selectric now. <laughs> yeah, but wait until you have to change the ribbon. Oh, I know. I hated that. You're always going to run out of those cartridges. <laughs> so, if you're looking for more gadget love, go to geeksandbeats.com and AaronLawrence.ninja. Aaron, always great talking to you. Thanks for coming by. Thanks, dudes. Later. Got a question about music, love, that suspicious rash? Ask Alan anything. Call 323-319-NERD. 
All right, I was going to launch into the Geeks and Beats news update, but you've got an update to something we were just talking about. You know, this uh, tortious interference thing that Steven Tyler and the Aerosmith people are launching against Donald Trump for using Dream On. Yep. Uh, it says, tortious interference is a common law tort allowing a claim for damages against a defendant who wrongfully interferes with the plaintiff's contractual or business relationships. So I guess what they're saying is that by Donald Trump using Dream On, it taints the song to the point where the song will have less value in moving forward with uh, Aerosmith's business interests. Ah, because now I hear the song, I don't think of Aerosmith, I think of Donald Trump and his fake hair. Exactly, and every time... This you know, this is was one of Aerosmith's greatest hits. Every time they play it, people are going to think about Donald Trump and his hair, and that is damaging. They say. Time now for a Geeks and Beats news update. London, Bangkok, New York, Cincinnati. From the worldwide headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, this is a GNB news update. Thanks to the kind folks at Parrot, uh, the Big Show is giving away a pair of uh, Zik 2.0 Bluetooth headphones. The neat thing about this is that this is sort of like the 21st century pair of headphones. The right ear pad's touch sensitive, so if you swipe up, you turn up the volume, you swipe down, you just basically run your finger across the uh, ear pad, and it will lower the volume. You can go to the previous track and the next track by swiping left or right. There's a sensor that knows when you remove the headphones, it automatically pauses what you're listening to. These are really cool headphones. I haven't had a chance to hear them, but having looked at the specs and the drivers that are in each of the earpieces, plus the Bluetooth connectivity and some of the other sort of uh, the other uh, touch controls, I really would like one of a pair of these things. They, they look great. I've had a chance to listen to them. I'm very impressed with the audio quality. What did you listen to them? What what music did you listen to? A variety of stuff. Um, everything from the 70s all the way up until the, the current day music. And other than saying that they sound good, I mean, they got good bottom end, good high end, nice uh, stereo separation, what? The, the bottom end comes in clean, Good. which is something that you don't often get when they jack up the, the bottom end of, 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 a, of a headphones. But my favorite mode on it is the street mode. It drowns out the hum of the world, but lets sounds like a car horn in so that the, the, the average hum, the buzz of the world around you, doesn't interfere with the music. And because it's Bluetooth, it actually will talk to your smartphone. So it'll tell you, it'll speak to you who's calling you, and you can double tap or, or tap hold if you want to ignore the call or just tap to answer, tap again to, to, to hang up. And because it's a smartphone-based thing as well, there's an app that has a, a really customizable EQ system on it too. I wonder how these things would work on airplanes. Well, because it's got that sort of noise-canceling component to it, I bet it would work really well. Yeah. So we're raffling off these $400 headphones for the November 4th show, and the only way you can win is by joining the world's worst intern program. It's the worst because you pay us to work on the show. You don't actually do anything to contribute, just like a real intern. And for every $1 you donate per episode, we put in a virtual raffle, raffle ticket with your name. So the more you support the show, the more likely you are to win. And you know who is more likely to win than someone who only put a buck in? Somebody put in $25. Yes, Stefan Dubord is the co-producer this week. If you put in 25 bucks, we will actually put your name on the album art for the show, send it off so that you can print it, frame it, hang it in your parents' basement. And Dubord says he's been a fan since the start. He was originally part of your ongoing history of new music world and uh, became uh, quite hooked on the podcast. That's very nice. Thank you, Stefan. Uh, he says when he's not working as a senior analyst with the federal government, dun, 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 dun. 
He says he's busy with his three daughters, Cat, Ellie, and Danny, and one of the three uh, is falling into my geek category, while the other two girls trend more towards the beat side of things, with one as a dancer and the other as a guitar player. I'd like to get my daughter playing guitar. You haven't introduced your daughter to any kind of music lessons yet? We we have tried, but um, she's the kind of kid who knows what she's good at and knows what she's not and won't put the effort into getting better at something she's not good at right away. Oh, dear. And because piano and, and anything musically inclined requires a lot of work, regardless as to how talented you are, um, it's difficult to, to get her. We, we got her into karate. Well, that's good. I mean, it's, it's something that she... Uh... It's a social activity, and she's learning how to defend herself. The confidence that comes with that is actually quite uplifting to see in her eyes. How old is she now? Uh, she's nine going on 19. Uh-huh. Okay. Stefan, thank you so much uh, for uh, supporting the big show. Uh, he says, uh, keep up the great work as I and all your plethora of GeoCities followers live vicariously through your tales of travel to exotic locales and, even more... Exotic liquor. I had uh, two glasses of Snow Queen today before we got to the show. What is that? Snow Queen is this fine Kazakhstan vodka that uh, I pick up every time. He's nice. Uh, I pick it up every time I go through duty free at Heathrow. And if you like vodka, put this, uh, get a bottle of uh, Snow Queen, put it in the freezer, let it get really, really cold, and then just sip away responsibly. We need to get like the Liquor Control Board of Ontario on board as a sponsor. You know, forget giving away $400 pairs of headphones. Did I maybe just break some sort of Liquor Board of Ontario law by... No, I gave... No, I don't think so. Is there a promotional issue? Like, like back in the olden days, you, you couldn't show people drinking booze on, in a commercial. No, you still can't. If you, you have yeah, a, right, you still can't. Watch, watch any beer commercial. Do you ever see anybody put a beer up to their lips and take a drink? No. It's different, though. It's different in a live... Um, television environment. For example, on a regular basis at BNN, uh, where I work at the Business News <laughs> Network, we often do a The Business of Booze segment. So one day, I thought I'd pull a David Letterman-esque kind of routine because the new um, vodka was cake-flavored vodka. Have you heard of this? Cake? No. Yeah. Uh, it has a very sweet kind of taste to it. And so Letterman used to do this thing where he would pretend to take a big swig of something and I thought, I'm going to do that, too. So as the, the, the woman from the LCBO is talking about this cake vodka, I, I crack open the, the top and I go to take a fake swig. But I'm so caught up in the moment oh, no. that I forget the fake part of the swig. <laughs> I had to have taken five ounces of vodka <gasps> oh. into my mouth. Now, once it's in your mouth and you're on live television, what do you do with it? You can't spit it out. You can't. So I swallowed it. <laughs> By the end of the six and a half minute segment, my toes were tingling. How much longer did the segment, uh, did you have to be on the air? The show still had 12 more minutes to go. <laughs> so at the. After we said goodbye. At, at minute 13, where were you? <laughs> yeah. Well, by the time we signed off, it was, it was getting pretty sloppy, I have to confess. And it's the only time I've ever actually consumed alcohol on TV. 
We did the segment one year later because we usually do these things going into a holiday season. We did it one year later, and apparently it was such a a, a response at the LCBO that when. Um, we were lining up the, the conversation. The, the PR people were like, okay, so wh- which bottle is Michael going to actually drink from this time? <laughs> like they were ready for it. Oh, now you have a reputation with the uh, government liquor um, regulator of Ontario. That's good. That's very good. <laughs> a boozing on network television. On a topic that has absolutely nothing to do with alcohol, I would like to enlist um, help from GMB listeners. I, would, I want to put together a, uh, a listicle. For the website. Because they're insanely popular. Exactly. We want to BuzzFeed troll everybody and link bait and clickbait absolutely everybody. I would like to have uh, a list of all the dead consumer electronics audio formats. All right. So we got CDs, cassettes. Yes. Uh, DAT, mini disc. Yes. Uh, HDCD. Yes. Super audio. What's DCC? You've got this on the list. Digital compact cassette. It was uh, supposed to be the cassette version of DAT. So go to geeksandbeats.com, click the contact page, and add to the list. Or just go to Twitter and tweet us off your list of dead formats because we blow up the website every time we do a listicle. I think we just basically need to do the entire show in listicle format. Big props and points to anybody who knows what an L cassette is. Ooh. From the 1970s. Want to write for the big show? Go to geeksandbeats.com slash newsroom to learn about how you can be a part of the world's most popular podcast. Do it for the glory and the love of the game. If we paid you any less, you'd be paying us. Geeksandbeats.com. Skirting unpaid intern laws for over 75 years. As someone who has spent, uh, what, an hour or so in the demilitarized zone between North Korea and South Korea, you have a vested interest in the health of Kim Jong-un. I, yeah, actually, I was there for about three hours. Oh, really? Uh, mostly uh, on the uh, on the south side of the DMZ. Well, isn't it basically like a tourist trap? Well, it is. That's the weird thing. You can take a bus ride from your hotel and you get a guided tour of the DMZ. Now, there is this whole area where, uh, you know, they, the north and the south face off across the border, and in between are these huts and the border runs right through the middle of these huts and at one point in your tour you go into the middle hut which is the hut that's reserved for any sort of u.s and south korean negotiations face to face with the north koreans and the border runs right down the center of the conference table uh in the (laughs) middle of this hut seriously and as long as you stay in this hut you're okay so i went onto the north korean side of the hut which allowed me to go about 12 feet inside the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. Best Korea. Uh, yeah. There was a, uh, a guard at the door, so I wasn't able to go out the back door because that would have meant that would have meant I was in North Korea. It would have meant certain death. It would have meant certain death. And they were very clear about that sort of thing. So uh, I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated by the, the, the nutty hermit kingdom. And uh, I'm, I'm always watching what's going on with, uh, you know, the leadership there. For example, you know, Kim Jong-un, who's a bit of a... He's, he's crazy, and, and what he's been doing is, is, is purging the ranks, consolidating his power, and it doesn't matter if it's uh, a relative or not. Uh, if you displease him, he can do things like feed you to wild dogs, allegedly. And there was one general who was executed, not by a firing squad, but with an anti-aircraft gun. So, <laughs> Just to make a point. Just to make a point. Now, the latest person to get 
to, to invoke Kim's anger is his 26-year-old sister. Her name is Kim Yo-Jung. She is, at 26, the head of his security and so she she goes. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The head of security for the North Koreans is a millennial. Yes, a twenty six. Yeah, yeah. He's his younger well, sister. Thank God they don't have Facebook there. <laughs> so they were on a tour where um, Kim Jong Un was was delivering his uh, you know field guidance, his on the spot guidance, and there was an incident at a music festival. He was mobbed by a whole bunch of kids. Oh my God! It's the glorious leader or whatever they call him, and, and they mobbed him, and, uh, you know, you just don't do that, and uh, he blamed his sister. But then there was another field guidance tour to a farm where he was approached by this super excited musician who just happened to be carrying in a guitar. And in the commotion, as this guy raced towards Kim, he was just, like, freaked out by the whole, you know, the honor and the, and the excitement of the situation. He nearly bashed Kim in the head with his guitar. So obviously, this this cannot be allowed. Kim Yo Jung has been fired from her head of security post, but we don't know what's happened to her. Whether she Talk about first world problems. If you got fired in the Western world, that'd be pretty horrific. Yeah. Getting fired in this part of the world means a whole different thing. A whole completely. I mean, we all hate performance reviews. We all hate losing our jobs. But to be fired by Kim Jong Un probably means something really, really, really horrible. So uh, we don't want anything horrible to happen to Kim Jong, uh, Kim Yo Jung, but uh, listen, she 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 could have been fed to dogs. Seriously. Nominations for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Class of 2016 are out, and I've got my favorite on this list. Oh, do you? Who? Well, you go first. I've talked about this until I'm blue in the face, but you go ahead. All right. Here here are the names for the nominations. You've got Yes, The Spinners, The Smiths, Nine Inch Nails. N.W.A., Steve Miller, Los Lobos, Janet Jackson, The J.B.'s, Deep Purple, Chic, Cheap Trick, Chicago, Shaka Khan, and my favorite recommendation, my nomination for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Class of 2016, The Cars. justify that. Rick Ocasek and the Cars epitomized epitomized the, the 1980s classic rock feel. These guys took music from the 50s, brought it into an era where everybody else was listening to Wham. Alright, I will go with the Cars, but I will say it's because Rick Ocasek is one of the ugliest people in all of <laughs> rock and roll, and he managed to uh, beg Paulina Poritzkova, one of the most beautiful women on the planet. So, Point to Rick for that, and for that alone, he should he and his band should make it into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Isn't isn't there a meme about um, musicians, and, and it's an illustration in pictogram form of if you are the guitarist, that equals X number of women, and then it works its way through all the band members, and then if you're the drummer, basically all you have are your sticks. Guess what uh, music uh, instrument I played when I was in bands? You played drums. Yes. And and how how did that work out for you with the ladies? Not well. Yeah. Not so you well probably should have picked bass. Um, or lead singer, but uh, I was far too ugly to be the lead singer. Can you sing like Rick Ocasek can sing? Uh, no. I would say you're a better looking man than him. I would say that I'm a better looking man than Rick Ocasek. However, I never had an opportunity to date a supermodel. 
I have to say, though, <laughs> comparing yourself to Rico Kasich's not no, exactly. It's true. It. I mean, you know, there's a lot of really ugly guys that have done very well for themselves that have actually, uh, you know, punched above their weight. I mean, you think about uh, Lyle Lovett and Julia Roberts. Yep. You think about Steven Tyler and just about any, you know, human being on the planet. Think about Mick Jagger. Yep. Think about Keith Richards. Uh, you know, there are a lot of really ugly ass guys out there who, by dint of the fact that they are a famous rock and roller, have managed to attract some very awesome looking women. It's just the way it works. And this is, you know, this is why a lot of guys get into rock in the first place. They want free drinks and they want hot chicks. It's just. Yeah, wait, wait a minute. I think isn't that the only reason why guys get into it? I remember watching on Much Music years ago, Duran Duran, Simon Le Bon admitting that the only reason why they started a band was they wanted to pick up chicks. And when they started the band, they didn't actually know how to play any instruments. No, that's true. There was another story about Duran Duran when they were on tour. The band would wake up in whatever hotel room they were in, and there would be a letter from the road crew, which would say, you are in name of city. Uh, your show tonight is at this and such and such arena. Uh, your uh, set times are such and such. Age of consent in this state is. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that would be very valuable. For, forget forget brown M&Ms. <laughs> That's right. So when you woke up in the morning as a member of Duran Duran, you knew exactly how young she could be before the cops came. Swear to God, that's a true story. Oh, man. As far as the nominations list here goes, there are only a couple of names that stand out to me that make me question the lists. Um, and maybe it's because I just don't know enough about their body of work. Janet Jackson and Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan has been nominated a number of times. She's an R&B uh, you know, legend, and uh, she's just never had the requisite number of votes to make it into the hall up until now, so they're trying again. Janet Jackson has uh, a very long track record. In fact, just uh, last week, she had another number one record, and I think that puts her... Uh, she's had more number one records in the U.S. than anybody, any other female singer, I think. Uh, she anyway it was some kind of record that she broke. So you know, there's 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 plenty to be said about her. Uh, who else are you having a problem with? You know, those seem to be the only two. Although um, Nine Inch Nails blows me away that they are that they have been in the business long enough to qualify. Yeah, it has to be 25 years after your first commercial rec uh, release. Now, Chicago, as, as much as I want to give them credit for their success, wouldn't you just sort of file them under corporate rock and call it a day? Not in the later in their career, yes, but uh, the early part of their career from their first album when they were still called uh, Chicago Transit Authority, they brought in the whole um, you know horn section attitude towards rock and roll. You know, from 1960, 69 through to uh, 77 or so. They were a pretty vital band, so I, I could understand them being on this list. Cheap Trick is one that I don't really get. Sheik, uh, Nile Rogers, you know, Nile Rogers should be in as a producer. Sheik uh, as a band, you know, a lot of their material was sampled for hip hop recordings later, uh, later in the decades. Uh, Deep Purple. Pretty good journeyman band. I'm surprised Bob Marley was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame back in 1994. Right. Now, here's where, where it gets weird. It's, it's the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was originally thought to be a hall for rock and rollers. But the moment they started taking nominations and considering exactly what that meant, a whole whack of people would have been left out. Now, rock and roll, of course, evolved from country and rockabilly and R&B and what we would call what were called race records back in the 40s and early 1950s. So there was no way that it could be this, uh, you know, just a rock and roll type thing. You had to honor 
the progenitors, the the pioneers of, of rock, and a lot of those people are R and B and and, and hip hop artists. I'm surprised the CIA let the nomination of Bob Marley go through. People have thought for some time that there may have been some kind of skullduggery involved in the death of Bob Marley. Now, he died of cancer. And there are people who believe... Do you remember the the, the Russian spy who was uh, knocked off with the polonium? Is this the guy who had the crazy face um, blow up on him? Because he lived. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. That's, some, that's something else. But but So this there, is the same sort a, of idea? The same sort of idea. Bob Marley was given a pair of boots. He apparently had... Um, uh, the, the boots were given to him by a member of the CIA. The, there was a, a nail in the boot that poked him in the toe. Later on, that particular toe got infected with something that turned into cancer, a very rare form of cancer that he uh, did not seek proper treatment for. It eventually metastasized throughout his body, reached his brain, and killed him. And there were people who are absolutely positive that there was something in that nail or on that nail in that boot that infected him and resulted in the cancer and eventually his death. These are the same people who believe that um, we faked the moon landings? Uh, yes, as a matter of fact. I Iman. If there's one thing I learned about going to Jamaica, they don't have problems. They have situations. <laughs> okay. Catch all new episodes of Geeks and Beats Wednesdays on iTunes. And watch for Geeks and Beats magazine on a newsstand near you. To be part of next week's show, call area code 323-319-NERD. Follow the stories on Twitter or Facebook. And get your dose of Geeks and Beats anytime at geeksandbeats.com. The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation.